Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting live 
for the next uh, few months because uh, we've got uh, a, a large number of classes coming up, and uh, and I'm going to go over the training real quick right now. And I just uh, just shut down the the uh, website uh, while I was talking and trying to to, to do two things at once. I shut down the website, but uh, let me pull that back up real quick, and we'll uh, and we'll get uh, let me get you back on the give us just back on the board here, <clears throat> and uh, let folks know too that we have a new a new website. Well, this has taken me uh, it takes me quite a while to to gin this up because I'm not really a tech person, so I have to learn everything from scratch. But we've got a new website. If you'd like to go to www.battleroadusa.com, you'll see our new website there. And uh, hopefully uh, hopefully it's going to... uh, is going to work better than the the last one. <clears throat> All right, uh, we have uh, uh, in the next four months, it's five months. Uh, we have quite a few courses coming up. I'm just going to go through them uh, as they're coming up. This next month, August second, uh, we're going to have our pistol craft course. Now, this is the first of three courses uh, on uh, handgun that uh, we teach. And it is like our uh, our bedrock course. And it used to be called Basic Pistol. Uh, but I want to go to a Basic Pistol course. Uh, they don't want to have their name show up somewhere next to a base, Basic Pistol course, uh, anything like that, because it makes people think that they um, that they're not uh, rough and ready uh, tactical shooters. Well, here's the thing. Uh, don't worry, it's not called basic anymore. We call it uh, pistol craft. Uh, my uh, business partner, Mark Mark Martinez, uh, he is uh, he is over the course of his career. He's been through uh, over a thousand hours of courses, uh, and a, a huge number of those hours are through pistol courses. So he's got a good grip on on what's out there, what's being taught. Our pistol craft course, our basic course. Uh, if you went out into the world, uh, especially with law enforcement and stuff like that would be, at minimum, an intermediate course. Uh, and parts of it would even be in part of the advanced courses. <clears throat> On top of this, I'm going to tell you something right now, that if something happens, if you have to, if you have occasion that you're going to have to use your firearm, uh, your concealed carry firearm, for here in Texas, because... Uh, that's all that's allowed here. We don't have open carry here. But if you're uh, if you have occasion where you're required to use your concealed carry firearm, going to be the basics that pull you through whatever happens. 
unless you are some type of commando uh, or really hardcore tactical operator, uh, then you're not going to need this class anyway. But uh, this is the course that's going to get you through whatever happens. Most uh, most gunfights last an average of five seconds. All right, that's uh, that's really not going to be uh, enough time for you to uh, to just start clicking on any uh, of your tactical commando stuff. <clears throat> the thing that's going to get you through it is going to be basics. And one of the most important basics, and one of the things that makes us different than uh, uh, a lot of other schools, a lot of other rangers, is that every uh, evolution, every uh, drill that we go through is going to start from your pistol being holstered and concealed. All right? Because that's how you're going to have to, that's how you're going to be out in the real world. All right? You're not going to be walking to the parking lot with your pistol out and uh, down at the Sewell or down and ready. Uh, it's not going to be, you're not going to be ready to go. It's going to be, and if it is, good for you. Then you're way ahead of the game. If you're already at that point before you were, uh, if we have to engage your target, then you're you're good to go. <clears throat> but I can almost guarantee you're not going to be. Uh, you're you're going to need to uh, have a rock solid foundation in drawing your pistol from its concealed carry position, and then engaging the target. And that's how we start off every evolution. Uh, in the pistol craft course, you'll get about uh, about 200 draws from concealed. That's going to go a long way toward uh, reinforcing the the muscle memory that you're trying to develop. And if you read the recent uh, blog article uh, on the Battle Royale USA blog, blogger on uh, Rick Smith, and he talks about this in the blog, about uh, practicing perfection, and drilling. Uh, muscle memory, of course, is not memory that's stored in your muscles, right? You guys know that. It's simply uh, it's simply movement, uh, base level movement that is stored in your brain. And what it does is it gives you the ability, uh, if you've done this over and over and you've developed uh, some type of muscle memory, gives you the ability to to do that action while uh, while doing something else or uh, or having a, a, some other type of uh, sensory uh, input going on. It gives you the ability to do this regardless of the rest of the stuff. Now we talk about folks uh, losing uh, their fine motor skills when they get uh, an adrenaline dump. And that's true, you can. But you can also retain a good amount of those if you have uh, some type of muscle memory that's going to help you uh, retain uh, those skills during an adrenaline dump. And that's what muscle memory is going to do for you. And the only way to get that, now you're not going to get uh, a... uh, a perfected muscle memory from uh, our, from 200 draws. 
the reality is, in order for you to get uh, to get something locked in to muscle memory, a multiple thousands of repetitions, and uh, there's there's a lot of study on this, and there's a lot of a lot of differing opinions on how much it takes. Some people will say it would take even uh, uh, ten thousand repetitions to get something simple, and that may be true. However, I'm telling you right now that you can uh, that you can get a good chunk of this done in a uh, in a one day course with 200 draws from the field. You can get a good chunk of that started. Uh, and there's the other side of this, the other side of that coin. And that is, if you already have a rut laid down with some bad habits, then it takes even more repetitions to unlearn that. That's one of the reasons that it's so important to try and learn something correctly the first time. Because unlearning something, as we all know, it's much harder to get rid of a bad habit than it is uh, to put in place a new good habit. So you'll get uh, 200 draws from concealed while you're here. And... uh, And that's going to go a long way toward reinforcing your ability uh, to get your handgun uh, out of its concealed position uh, and into ready for use. Uh, Some of the other stuff that you'll get is uh, we're going to teach you uh, to get it in your head, too, that once you've drawn that firearm, if you're required to use it, we don't want you to we don't want you to uh if something is worth being shot it's been where it's worth shooting it uh, three four five six times right uh if there's a reason to use deadly force to defend your life then there is no upper cap on the deadly force it means there's no there's not there's not going to be a difference between uh, a one-bullet kill and a three-bullet kill. The only difference is going to be is if they if you fire that one round and it does not incapacitate uh, your attacker. So what we try and teach people is in the course of uh, two seconds, we'd like you to be able to get your firearm out of its concealed position, to get it tracked up on the target, and then you get two to three uh, or three to four rounds per second into your target. So that's what you'll be working on while you're here, as well as uh, as well as understanding failures, clearing stoppages, uh, getting you to to start making a habit. Because most people don't have this already. Start making a habit of situational awareness, uh, and that is before something happens in the middle and after, right? The situational awareness means that you're paying attention when you're walking from the store to your car and you're not head down texting or reading Facebook or whatever. That you're paying attention to where you're going, uh, what is right, what looks wrong. uh, And then once you're involved in an altercation, 
that you don't simply lock focus onto what is going on immediately then there in front of you. If you have to uh, draw your your weapon and fire, then you have to understand that uh, usually bad guys are cowards. Usually bad guys are not loners. They're, they usually move in packs. If you have to draw your weapon and fire, there's a good chance that somewhere in the vicinity is the bad guy's friends or partners. So you want to make sure that you're not so locked onto that target that you're currently involved with that you fail to see the person coming up behind you, the claw hammer. So we're going to teach you. Uh, we're going to teach you to work on your situational awareness. That is uh, getting that weapon out of its concealed position, tracking up on the target placing three to four rounds per second onto the target, making sure the target's down, and then checking your area. Make sure that uh, that nobody else is coming up on you. Uh, that uh, and that could be good guys or I mean bad guys or good guys. Because you don't want to get so you don't you don't want to be surprised by a good guy and still be hyped up and turn around and uh, and see somebody coming up on you and thinking that they're a bad guy. You want to be able to to have situational awareness. You want to turn, look to your front, your left, your right behind you. You're gonna you're gonna see who is around you and what's going on. <coughs> then uh, during the course of the day, we're also going to introduce you to movement. Uh, whenever you are, when you're involved in a situation like this, you should either be shooting or moving, one or the other. Uh, we don't encourage you to do both, uh, at least not in this course, so that will come later. In this course, we don't want you to shoot while you're moving. We want you to make sure you have a good, firm uh, stance when you're shooting, but we don't want you to be standing there. You know, if this other, if you're, if the bad guy's been to uh, a class and uh, and they've learned to shoot that uh, three to four rounds per second, that means every second that you're standing in that one place, you're going to be soaking up three to four rounds. So we want to get you used to at the onset of your draw, of making sure that you're moving offline, moving to the right or the left, moving out of their immediate uh, center. During your draw, uh, you're going to move offline, set up, and then begin your shooting. So we want to make sure that you understand that you're going to have to start incorporating movement into your draw. And then uh, we'll talk to you about stress and target identification uh, and uh, as much more as we can get into during the course of the day. So <clears throat> this is a, uh, a fantastic course. And even though it says pistol craft, even though we would normally call it a, a basic for us because it's our first course, then uh, I still want you to understand that this is not a basic course or a beginner's course. As a matter of fact, uh, if you're new to shooting, or if you've not, if you if you don't, if you've never fired a handgun, or if you're not pretend uh, shooting already, this this is not a course for you. We've got another course for that. We need you to show up here. Uh, able to safely and confidently uh, handle your firearm and be able to hit what you're shooting at, okay? Uh, the course is 140 bucks for one day. And this is about uh, uh, 
this is about half of what a lot of other folks charge. And the reason we do that, there was, we're still a, a young company. Uh, and so in order to draw off, to draw business, we have to keep our, our prices low enough to to try and get folks to come. You know, why are they going to come to us? One of the reasons is for the price. And uh, it's a very uh, competitive price. It's 140 bucks for the course. And uh, it'll take uh, 500 rounds, approximately 500 rounds during the course of the day. That's our pistol craft course. And that is going to be on August uh, 2nd. <clears throat> now, course will be the uh, 9th through the 13th, and that is uh, a five-day precision rifle course, and this is another really great course and absolutely value-priced, all right? Uh, there was a three-day course I attended recently. It was 1500 <clears throat> for the three-day course, and uh, it gave nowhere near the amount of instruction that we're giving, and it's taught by John Hawes, who is a uh, graduate of five sniper schools. Uh, he did this while he was in the military. It's not a civilian school. He did this while in the military, the military sniper schools and Blackwater and stuff like that, uh, paid for by the government, and then he led a... Uh, uh, sniper kill team in Afghanistan and uh, was awarded the Silver Star there. So John knows what he's doing. Uh, he doesn't just uh, talk the talk, he walks the walk. He didn't learn this uh, at some school and he's going to give you what he learned in some school. He's going to give you the uh, the information that he learned while on the job. All right? And uh, it's five days, and it'll be uh, just about everything that you'll need to be able to make the shot at distance. There'll be uh, uh, classes on uh, wind, ballistics, setting up your rifle. Uh, <clears throat> there is uh, how to determine distance using your mil dot scope. Uh, <clears throat> using that to shoot unknown distance. And then uh, there'll be some close-in shooting training. And uh, one of the things that I, I, I thought was uh, was really great about the course was the, we had a, uh, a block of close-in shooting training. And uh, one of the reasons that that came about in the course is because John said he'd been asked, uh, you know, fairly often what is a, what is the average distance, uh, you know, for engagements? And he said that he had no average distance, really. He said he had been involved in engagements from 20 meters to uh, to 1,200. Uh, so that that there is uh, every everything is open there. So while the course is going to be dedicated to making a shot at distance. There's also a, a block uh, on uh, the last day, I believe, where, where you'll be taught to use your rifle 
shooting in, and there's no reason not to. You've got that rifle. Uh, even though it's a bolt-action rifle with the optics and stuff, <clears throat> if you've got it in, there's a round in the chamber, there should be no reason that you can't use that rifle to engage your target rather than trying to transition to a pistol or something. There should be no reason you can't uh, use that rifle to engage the target. And uh, I believe that our drills were... Uh, I believe our drills were at 175, 15, 25 meters, and it required uh, a shot to the body from standing, a uh, shot, another shot to the uh, body from kneeling, and then a shot to the bridge of the nose from prone. And I believe there was a 15-second time limit, I believe, for the whole thing. It could have been less, but I believe it was 15 seconds. And uh, we did that from each of the uh, distances. I think the best part of the course uh, was learning to uh, determine distance using your mill dot. And uh, that is a, that's a very important uh, skill to have. And uh, we did uh, the mill dot class using your scope uh, to determine distance course. We did that class uh, in the morning and then spent the rest of the day uh, in practical applications of that. Uh, went about, uh, I'd say, two hours running the, the actual military test uh, for you to determine distance. And then uh, on the live fire range, firing at targets at unknown distances. <clears throat> so the course, uh, as I said, is five days long and uh, and runs about 500 rounds uh, also. This course is $500. And, uh, and as I said, it's about one-third the price of any comparable course. And the main reason that it's still at 500 is because we've still got a bunch of friends uh, that were of the of Battle Road that we are running through the course uh, and we're doing it to them as a thank you. Uh, but probably this is probably this will be the fourth, the third or fourth time we've run the course, and we've got just about all of our friends thanked. All right. So if you want to get in on the course while it's still at this price. I suggest uh, getting signed up now. You can do that by going to the website, uh, battleroadusa.com, and then contacting me through the contact page, and uh, and we'll get you signed up for the course. It's a uh, it is a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday course. And then there's a break, uh, Thursday and Friday, and then the next. Saturday and Sunday, the 16th and 17th, uh, two-day stocking and camouflage class, also taught by uh, John Hodge. And this will teach you how to uh, move through and across terrain uh, and get into position uh, and remain undetected in position. And it is a uh, it is a fantastic course. Let's start with some rain here. And uh, I 
certainly wasn't expecting that, but I guess we are. So I hope we don't lose. I hope we don't lose you guys if it uh, if it starts storming up. <clears throat> so the stocking camouflage course uh, is a two day course. That's two hundred dollars, and you can go to the you can sign up by going to the website and clicking on the link to register. I've got uh, the course set up through Eventbrite. You can register through the Eventbrite page that we have on it. And once again, uh, this is a uh, this is an excellent course, and uh, going to cover the the fundamentals of stalking, and then also of camouflage. How to how to remain undetected. Now, the course is open to law enforcement and military, but and it is not. Uh, you don't have to be law enforcement or military. Uh, in, in order to attend the course, okay. I mean, just think about it. If you, uh, if you're a hunter, uh, I can't think of really of a, a better course for you to take uh, because uh, you're going to need these skills. Uh, you need to learn how to stalk the correct way to stalk to understand how how your movement is perceived uh, visually uh by other humans and and this can be also be translated to deer because we also have the the specs on that. We'll talk to you about that too. How to remain uh undetected on your stock. And then once you get into position, how to remain undetected in that position during your hunt. Okay? Uh a lot of people say they don't see anything and, and one of the reasons they don't see anything is because they were looking for detected them first. Either they saw them, they smelled them, or they heard them, and uh, that gave away their position. And, of course, so the animal had no, uh, it, it didn't appear. <clears throat> so we'll talk to you about how to move uh, through terrain uh, and then get into a position and remain undetected. So just because you are uh, not on a SWAT team, or on a military sniper team does not mean this course is not beneficial to you, because it is. <clears throat> uh, then in, oh, hold on just a second, in, in the end of August, August 23rd. August 23rd, we've got the uh, Battle Road Fighting Shotgun course. And and this is another, uh, another really great course that we have. And let me tell you about the Going back to pistol craft real quick, I think it's one of the best courses we have, and I actually enjoy the course, and I try to shoot in it. If I'm not if I'm not needed to actually instruct, or even if I am instructing, I will still stick myself in the, on the line to get it, because as I told you, the basics are what is going to get you through a, a tough position. Uh, the same thing with the shotgun course. Uh, and this, the two courses that we run we've really run the most. So we've been able to tweak them uh, to serve the needs best of folks using their shotguns or using their concealed carry pistols. Uh, We've been able to get the most feedback on these two courses and and really uh, hone them uh, so that they're they're serving the needs of the folks uh, that are taking the course. And the shotgun course is another great course. Now, a lot of almost almost everybody has a shotgun that they 
uh, are keeping at their at their house or in their truck or something else because they're they're saying in their mind they're thinking you know if something happens or if I have to defend myself or my loved ones or my home then a shotgun is going to be my best choice and you may very well be right it may be and there's a lot of good things to say about using a shotgun for self-defense and uh, and we're going to talk to you about those things and about what your shotgun uh, can and can't do and we're going to teach you how to how to burn off that whole magazine in about two seconds because one of the things we want to get you, uh, we want to teach you is how to have the correct stance and how to be able to work that slide or work or, or whatever you're using, how to be able to work uh, that shotgun and fire multiple rounds off uh, very rapidly. And, and it's a great course. Uh, I believe it uh, runs about 200 rounds, and uh, and uh, with only about uh, I think two dozen of those being buckshot and slugs. Because while you're also here, we're going to get you to sight in your shotgun with the slugs, because we want you to be able to make uh, to make shots out to the limit of your distance. I mean, being able to uh, to hit a target with that shotgun at 50 and 100 yards. There's no reason that you can't. And uh, in order to make a hit at that distance with enough power to knock down, you're going to need to use a slug. <clears throat> and uh, we're also going to teach you how to how to sh- shift the loadout in your magazine very quickly, very rapidly, uh, in order to get to whatever rounds you need. Uh, and uh, there'll also be some... Uh, part of the course will be on weapon retention, and that's how to. Uh, normally, if you're if you're using a shotgun for home defense, or uh, you're you're having to walk through your house with it, or you're walking outside around your your garage or your barn, and that presents problems uh, of somebody uh, somebody grabbing a hold of it and grabbing it from you, uh, and we're gonna teach you what to do if somebody uh, grabs it, how you can retain a shotgun and still defend yourself. Uh, the uh, course, it's a one-day course, and it runs about uh, six and a half hours. And uh, you'll need uh, 15 rounds of double lot, 10 rounds of slugs, and then uh, between 250 and 300 rounds of uh, birdshot. That's uh, anything in this seven to nine uh, range, <clears throat> and uh, this is another of those uh, another of those things that uh, I I just sent out the newsletter, our first newsletter today, and included in it was a little section about uh, about that myth of gun ownership and. Uh, let me go ahead and talk about that right now. We just talked about the pistol and the shotgun, and these are the two things that everybody has. And it's also the two things that everybody thinks uh, are going to save them a lot of times just because they own it, not because not they have any skills with it, but they think that just because they have the weapon that it's almost like some type of a magic talisman, that it's going to 
uh, from any malevolent spirits. Uh, and in the article I wrote, I said, don't, don't be left standing there feeling betrayed when that pistol or that shotgun doesn't jump out of the drawer, out of the drawer and save you. Because just having it is not enough. Uh, people think that because they have that firearm that they're protected. But you're not protected unless you know how to use it. Unless you understand the mechanics of the device, how the firearm works mechanically, you have the skill to operate it, you have the knowledge of when to use it, and then you have the mindset, the will, the determination to use it, then then what good was it? Uh, if you have, if you have your your firearm covering someone and they keep walking towards you and and they walk all the way up to you where they can grab a hand on it and you get out of your hand, then then what good is it for you to have it? And the reason that happens to people is because they have envisioned themselves maybe picking up that firearm and and pointing it at another human being and saying, stop right there. But they have never envisioned what comes after that. We try and get you to think about what you're going to do, uh, why you're going to do it, and when you're going to do it. And that is if somebody is threatening you, uh, if they're at the point where you have a, you feel that your life is in enough danger that you're going to point a loaded firearm at them, then there is no reason uh, that you should let them walk up to you and yank it out of your hand. The reason people do that, like I said, is because they haven't thought about it. They haven't thought about anything other than picking it up and pointing it. They haven't said, they haven't gone through their head in their head and said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. If somebody breaks in my house, I'm going to grab my, my firearm, uh, and I'm going to point it at them, and I'm going to tell them to get out. And if they leave, I'm going to make sure that they're gone, and then I'm going to call the police. If they don't leave, then what am I going to do? Uh, am I going to shoot them right then and there? Am I going to shoot them when I tell them to put down their firearm, and they don't put it down? Am I only going to shoot them when they start moving the firearm, their firearm or weapon toward me? Uh, am I only going to fire at them when they get a foot from me? When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? What's going to cause you to actually pull the trigger? So we're going to get you to think about that because you need to think about that. You need to think about what you're going to do. And then you need to make a decision on when you're going to do it and what and what is going to cause you to do it. I'm not going to tell you when to do something. We're not going to tell you when at our class. We're not going to tell you when you have to do something but tell you your best chance of surviving by doing something at a certain time. Obviously, if you let that person walk up to you, put their hand on your firearm and yank it, your odds of surviving the encounter have dramatically plunged. So this is a great course. Once again, this course is 120 bucks. All right, that is about uh, 200 bucks less uh, than some of our competitors. And uh, and who knows? It, it may 
<laughs> I, I'm hoping to keep the price low because uh, because I like taking classes, and I don't want to go take a class uh, at 450 if I can find one for uh, 150. I'd like to take that $150 class. If it's going to offer the same thing, I'd like to take that $150 class. And that's what we want to be able to offer to you. And we want to, we want to be able to offer our courses at an affordable rate. There are plenty of folks out there that are asking the uh, $350, $450, for a day for this course. We want the people who are most probably going to have to use the skills and techniques they learn in this course. We want them to have a chance to take the course. And unfortunately, uh, it seems that the folks in the uh, the folks in the the lower income brackets, or the folks that have uh, uh, less money to spend, let me put it that way, that they are more likely to have to end up using their firearms. So we want to try and make it the courses affordable and available to them and everybody else. And if you're rich, then just consider this a bargain, okay? Because we have, we have quite a few uh, rich folks who attend the courses, and I think they enjoy the fact that it's a bargain. Uh, okay. That is the... Uh, that is the four courses in August. Uh, then in September, and September is a, uh, a milestone for us, and that will be the first uh, running of the the Ghost of Goliad Rifle Marksmanship Project. It's a two-day course, uh, and we'll be teaching the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship. And this is, when I say fundamentals, make sure you understand that I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about the basics. I'm not talking about a baby course. I'm talking about the skills and techniques that you'll need no matter where your rifle marksmanship path takes you, okay? You'll need these skills just as much for, for plinking or for hunting. Uh, this is an absolutely perfect course uh, for hunters, Uh it's. I think it's your duty. You have an obligation if you're a hunter to make the most humane shot possible on an animal, and the the way to do that is to be skilled with your rifle, to know where your round's going to hit, to make it hit where you want it to hit. That's what we're going to teach you. So whether you're plinking or or hunting, or if you're getting ready to take a uh, designated marksman course in the military or a SWAT course for law enforcement, this is the course that you need to have on your belt before you go. Because what this is, is this is, uh, like I said, these are the, the fundamentals. This is the, the bedrock of your shooting. And this is, uh, this is all the stuff that you would normally have gotten if you if you hung around with your uh, uncle and your grandfather uh, for 15, 20 years and they taught you how to shoot and everything, you'd learn it over the course of those 15 or 20 years. But what we're going to do is we're going to introduce you to it all in one weekend. This has uh, a very interesting history. Uh, it's the only state in the nation 
to have been a separate and independent country and a republic on its own before joining uh, uh, the uh, United States. Also, the events leading to the Texas War for Independence uh, are remarkably similar to the events that led to the uh, American Revolutionary War. They uh, they parallel each other very closely. <clears throat> and if you live in the state of Texas and you'd like to know more about your state's history, then that's going to be included during the course. This is two days, Saturday and Sunday. And the course cost is, I believe it's... Uh, let me take a quick look and make sure that I'm telling you the uh, the right thing. I'm going to open up the Eventbrite page because there's there's a uh, uh, a schedule of courses right there at the bottom of uh, the home page, the front page on the website. Uh, and then there's also uh, a schedule of courses page, and each one, almost all of them, I think, have uh, an Eventbrite page. The uh, adult male seventy five bucks, females forty, and minor children are twenty. And if you're an uh, active duty guard, reserve, law enforcement, you know, we want you to come and attend the event with us free, okay? <clears throat> and uh, this will be happening at our range in Central Texas, uh, not very far from Temple. Uh, in addition to the courses that we're going to run, and here's the way that this is going to run. <clears throat> we'll be starting in September, and... Uh, and the project, this particular project, is going to run for seven months. And that is the same amount of time, the same run that Texas took for its independence. There was a seven-month run starting on October 2nd with the Battle of Gonzales and ending seven months later on uh, April 20th with the Battle of San Jacinto and the formation of a new independent republic. So for seven months, starting in September, we'll be having an event once a month. It'll be near the end of the near the end of the month, and uh, each event will talk about the battles that were fought during that time period. Uh, we'll give you an overall uh, discussion of the overall uh, Texas War for Independence, and we'll focus in uh, specifically on some of the specific battles that were fought in the month that uh, you attend. So we invite you guys to uh, to attend this event. And uh, in addition to this, you can find out more about this uh, at our website, battleroadusa.com. In addition to the events we're holding at our range, uh, we'll also be uh, going to a couple of other ranges in uh, and teaching at those ranges. And if you'd like us to, to bring the event to uh, add it to a range or to your city, we'll be glad to talk to you about doing that. We'd love to do that. And uh, it's a turnkey operation. We bring everything with us. We bring all of the instructors, the targets, the uh, port cans if we need them, our own liability insurance, everything to go with it. And we'll be glad to teach an event there in your city. All right? Just uh, contact me through the website. That is going to be September 25th and 26th. Uh, and 
somewhere in here, we're going to stick a, uh, I think, approximately three more courses. I'm going to tell you about it now because I, I don't have, I don't know the dates for it yet. But we're going to put in a, probably three more courses. One of the courses is going to be a uh, a beef and small game processing course. And that's because uh, we want you guys to have an understanding. For those of you that don't know how to do this, we want you to have an understanding of how to, how to take an animal that you've harvested and take it from the field and and remove the skin, the entrails, and then uh, how to cut it up in to what you would use it for to even put it on your table. That's what we're going to do. <clears throat> we'll probably take a, uh, it'll be a one-day course, and what we'll probably do, depending on when we're holding it, we'll take a, uh, probably a uh, beef and uh, maybe a hog and then uh, some rabbits or something like that, and we'll process those. We'll take it all the way from harvesting, taking it uh, from the, from from standing there in the uh, in the field to getting it up on a uh, single tree and uh, getting the hide off the uh, the insides out and then taking it into the uh, processing building and processing the animal ready to go and uh, that will include uh, that will include making some sausage. And uh, I think the price is going to be right around 100 bucks per person. And then uh, you'll also be given the opportunity to uh, to purchase some of the the meat that uh, that you've just processed. At uh, at like the low wholesale prices, uh, and uh, and take that home with you and eat it. And this will allow you to to at least have a an understanding of how to get an animal from in the field to into your cooking pot. And a lot of folks a lot of folks know this. A lot of folks already know how to do it. They've been hunters and stuff like that. There's a good many folks that don't. The reason I know is because a lot of folks have asked me about running this course. So I'm going to do that. We're gonna uh, we're gonna show you how uh, to process the beef. Where the uh, uh, the uh, T-bones come from, the sirloin, the rump roast, uh, all that. If we process a hog, we'll see where the pork chops come from. Uh, we may uh, uh, make bacon if it's a fat sow. Uh, now, now, all this stuff isn't going to be ready to go uh, by the end of the day, but you'll have processed all the meat. Uh, there's some other stuff that's involved if you're going to make bacon or if you're going to smoke sausage or stuff like that but uh, we'll have everything ready so that uh, so that it'll go very quickly and we can process the animals we can get them all cut up and uh, and bagged up uh, they go into the freezer and then uh, you can take some of the meat with you so if you'd like to attend that course contact me through the uh, the website and we'll get it uh, set up for you. Then uh, October 11th, 2014. That's the uh, 
zombie destruction into the world as we know it. Uh, Battle of USA zombie destruction running gun. The uh, zombie biathlon is a unique uh, product of Battle Road. It's one of only three uh, biathlons like this uh, in the country right now. And ours is the only one that has obstacles. And what this is, it's a one-day event, and you're going to follow a a four-and-a-half-mile looping trail. Along the trail, you'll encounter uh, eight shooting stations for rifle or pistol. And in addition to that, you'll have uh, quite a few obstacles that you'll have to uh, navigate in between the stations. So the reason that this that we developed this is so that <clears throat> so that folks can their shooting skills, their physical stamina, and their gear all have to work together in order for you to be successful. Right. Uh, a lot of folks have uh, they have a closet full of gear, probably really good gear. Probably not a thing in the world wrong with it. But they probably have never put it on and tried to move around in it, and tried to shoot in it uh, to see how it works. And you don't want to wait until uh, until the end of the world and the zombies are here for you to figure out that those boots are going to burn a blister on your foot or that backpack's not going to work or it needs some tape on it somewhere uh, or that you can't get to your uh, mag carriers uh, whenever you are uh, whenever your backpack is on. So <clears throat> most ranges uh, are pretty strict. They want you to stand in one place. Uh, they don't want you to draw. They want you to stand there with the, the rifle or handgun out. They want you to shoot very slowly, one round at a time. No moving around, no getting into different positions. Uh, and they certainly don't want you moving around with a bunch of gear on you. So how are you going to figure out if this all works? And the answer is you're going to come to the, uh, the zombie biathlon here with us. And you're going to be able to uh, move around in your gear. You're going to see how your shooting skills, uh, how they move up and down the sliding scale uh, whenever you are shooting uh, uh, a stage there that you've only had to, to, to get to by traversing a mile and a half, and how they're going to work when you get to a stage that you had to, to go four and a half miles to. Uh, you're going to see how your gear works. <coughs> Uh, whenever you're climbing over the top of a uh, of a nine foot wall, uh, or if you're uh, crawling under a barbed wire fence through a hole in the ground underground, or if you, how it's going to be when you're climbing over one of the the many uh, uh, field fences uh, that are across the state, uh, and uh, And we're going to show you how this all works together. This is the only place you're going to be able to do that at. The only place in the United States that's running these events. You can go through some of the things like the Tough Mudders, uh, something like that, if you want to uh, uh, try your physical skills or go into obstacles. They're not going to let you shoot. Uh, you can go to the range if you want to shoot. 
you can put on your gear and uh, and hike around in it, but they're not. But you're not going to be able to shoot. So this is the only place that you're going to be able to put all your gear on, uh, move uh, a, a fairly long distance, and uh, navigate obstacles and shoot at the same time. And we made it very safe. Uh, we've got uh, a ton of range officers uh, all along the way that's going to be watching you. And uh, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a fantastic event. That's the uh, Battle Road USA, End of the World as We Know It, Zombie Destruction Biathlon. And that will be October 11th. And the books are open on it, and the tickets are already going out the window. Uh, and because it's four and a half miles and all the shooting stations, we can only, we can only offer a limited number of slots, okay, because we can only get so many people through it in the course of the day. Uh, so don't wait. If you want to go, don't wait till the last minute because there may not be a ticket there waiting for you at the last minute, okay? Uh, now, we do have another way that you can attend this event, and that is uh, you can contact us through the, the contact page on the website, and you can indicate to us that you would like to <clears throat> volunteer to work as part of the staff on, uh, during the weekend. And that means that you would come on Friday, the day before the event. The event will be run on Saturday for the public. You would come on Friday, and you will run the course with us, with the staff. And, uh, and then you will come back on Saturday and work one of the stations as a range officer. And uh, your scores will also be thrown into the pot with everybody else's. So it's not like you'll be running in a, in a different uh, uh, scored event. Your event will be in the same as the uh, scored with the, the others the same way so that you can uh, have just as much a chance of getting a trophy as everybody else. Like I said, the only difference is that uh, uh, you won't have to pay for the event. We'll uh, waive your uh, attendance fees. Uh, if you're willing to run on Friday with us and then either camp out uh, with us that night or come back on Saturday, and then stay all day Saturday running one of these stages or uh, or doing one of the other uh, chores that we have that we need folks to do. I'll need an assistant. Uh, so will Mark, uh, somebody that can uh, go to each of the stages and make repairs on targets and stuff like that or shuttle uh, gear or stuff like that out to the different locations. Uh, and then we'll need officers at each of the stations to run the stations. We'll need uh, folks that are maintaining safety uh, along the route and making sure that people aren't uh, doing anything crazy along the route. <clears throat> you want to do that and be part of the staff for the day, then we'll uh, waive your $100 attendance fee. You'll still get a meal, a T-shirt, and your uh, scores will go in the pot too. The run will be scored by taking your overall time to get from uh, the start line to the finish line, and also uh, uh, adding in your shooting times for each of the stations, okay? And uh, there's a very magical mathematical formula for that, and uh, we use that to determine placement. The first, uh, the first five stages get trophies, and then uh, after that, we raffle off uh, all of the table prizes uh, so that everybody has a a shot at winning something. So far right now we've got uh, uh, several hundred dollars in gift certificates from Lambeau's Armory. 
we've got some Olangapo uh, grab and goes. We've got some custom knives, and uh, what else? We've got a we got a bunch of other stuff uh, that's coming in. Uh, if you know of anybody who would like to sponsor the event, uh, then uh, please uh, let me know. Contact me and let me know. We'll be glad to uh, put their banners up on the sponsor wall, uh, include them on the website and the blog, <clears throat> and uh, they're also welcome to send uh, a runner as our guest uh, to run the event too. <clears throat> and that is October 11th, 2014. And we run this event twice a year. Or once uh, in the spring and once in the fall. You don't have to run. You can walk. Most of the folks walk. There's a there is an elite group that uh, that does uh, some pretty uh, some pretty heavy duty uh, jogging and running, but the majority of folks are just going to walk at a fast pace. And uh, I believe that uh, the fastest time I believe that that has been turning so far is right around 40 minutes, and that is to do all eight shooting stations, all the all the obstacles, and the four and a half miles. So, October 11th, and then October 25th and 26th will be another running of the uh, Ghost of Goliad program. And then December 6th and 7th, wait a minute, in November, there's a November uh, Ghost of Goliad Rifle Marksmanship Program. And then there's the October Ghost of Goliad Rifle Marksmanship Program. That's the 25th and 26th. And then in December, 6th and 7th, is a two-day course on, it's a, it's the course is called a three percenters grid down communications and radio course. What this is, is a course designed to teach you how to use, uh, how to use your gear to maintain communications in a grid-down situation. So say that uh, there's been some type of man-made or natural disaster or some type of cessation of services event, and the the normal abilities, the normal ways that you would communicate are no longer operational. You would have to use this course Uh, you'd have to use the things you're going to learn in this course to maintain communications. They're going to teach you how to use uh, your combo gear that you have, things like your uh, FRS radios, uh, CBs, uh, your ham radios. Teach how to use those items to maintain communications. And then on top of that, they teach you how to... uh, to teach you how to set up an intelligence gathering operation and 
use your communications gear to develop intelligence. That is, uh, figure out who's around you, who's talking, what they're talking about, uh, uh, what's going on around you. And this is a very important aspect, and that is intelligence gap. So I think that, that that part of the course by itself is well worth it. And that's going to be December 6th and 7th. And this is taught by uh, a guy in the prepping uh, community called Sparks 31. Uh, you can get more information about uh, about this event by going to our website at roadusa.com, and then uh, on the on our website, I've put uh, hot links up to get you to uh, to get you to his page, and you can read up on his page. This is going to be December sixth and seventh, and I believe the course cost is uh, two hundred dollars for the two day course. So one day it will be classroom, where you'll be learning uh, how to use the gear and uh, and the uh, the way that things run, and I'm sure that we'll be talking a, a good deal about the intelligence gathering aspect of it. And then the second day will be a field training exercise. That's where you'll actually go out and on the field, use your gear to set up and uh, maintain communications. And this is really a uh, a very overlooked aspect. Uh, of the prepping uh, and self-reliance community, and that's maintaining communications. Uh, people don't, this isn't like uh, the sexy part of it, like, uh, learning to shoot or uh, start a fire or something like that. This is, uh, this is a different aspect of it, but this is, probably one of the most important aspects of your self-reliance project is being able to to find out what's going on in the world around you, right? Unless you, uh, unless you are living in some kind of a castle uh, 500 miles from anybody else, then you better have a good understanding of what's going on in the world around you and and know what's getting ready to come at you, or uh, you know, or what else is going on. Or if you're if you're uh, in some kind of a uh, tornado or a hurricane or a brush fire or something like that, and the normal methods of communication are out, and you need some type of assistance, this is the thing that's going to save you: is understanding how to operate communications yourself. It's also one of the three legs of the uh, of the survival uh, as far as surviving in a hostile situation. One of the three legs of the tripod of the shoot, move, communicate tripod. Right? Shoot, move, communicate. <coughs> That's December 6th and 7th, 2014, Grid Data Communications Course right here at BattleRoadUSA.com. Okay. Uh, that 
be, let me see, there There will be two more courses. There will be some other shooting courses that are plugged in as well. We also have uh, CHL courses. We've got some basic pistol courses uh, plugged in there. And then we've got, uh, and I need for the, the folks who are interested in this to let me know, is we have uh, uh, combat tracking courses that I'd like to get up, set up for this year and next year. Uh, we uh, use tier group, uh, and that is a group uh, uh, founded by uh, John Hurth, a uh, Special Forces uh, A-team member. And uh, and at one time, he was the lead instructor at the military's uh, combat tracking school. <clears throat> he has a program, a 10-day tracking program. And what we've been doing is we've been uh, running the, the first part of it as a five-day uh, combat tracking course, and uh, and we're due to run another five-day course uh, in the next five or six months because in 2015, uh, sometime around the beginning of that, we'd like to run the second part of the five-day course, and uh, uh, in order to do that, I need to get a couple of the first five-day course uh, classes through. Uh, now, I also, I talked to John about this. I also, I know that, uh, that a lot of folks can't take uh, five days off all at once, or maybe they already took the five-day precision rifle course here with us. They can't do it again. Well, we've got a three-day combat tracking course coming up, and that will probably be sometime in November or December. So if you'd like to... Uh, if you'd like to register for those classes or, or, or if you'd like to attend them, contact me through the uh, contact page on the website, and uh, we'll try and get the dates worked out, uh, find out the best dates that will work for everybody, and then get those on the schedule too. All right? Okay, and then uh, one last thing is that uh, we work with the law enforcement and the military and government contractors and uh, – we run courses here with them, and then we also uh, uh, sometimes allow them to use the facilities for their training. And uh, we have uh, uh, law enforcement members on the staff that are T-close uh, certified and can, can design and set up uh, courses for the uh, uh, for the law enforcement agencies, so that they can get uh, uh, credit for attending them. Uh, if you'd like for us to do that for you, we'll be glad to. Uh, you can contact us through the contact page, and uh, we'll get Mark on that. He can design a course for you, get it certified through T Close, and get credit for it for your department. And uh, and Mark is a great instructor. He's a T-Close certified instructor, uh, shoot house instructor also, and uh, would be glad to work with any of the law enforcement agencies or military out there. And uh, uh, just contact, contact us if you would like to uh, get something set up. All right. Uh, that is uh, that's going to be it for the uh, uh, for the. Battle Road portion. I probably went a little long on that, but 
I only do it like once a year. So I wanted to make sure that I got all that out there. I just sent out the newsletters uh, on it today. And I wanted to get that out there so that folks uh, uh, so there are folks that are listening would know and uh, and be able to uh, see what we had coming. Okay. Uh, was illegal immigration and uh, and the illegal immigration problem in America is very rapidly coming to a head. And a lot of that is because of uh, of current uh, the current situation that's going on uh, on our borders with the the most recent wave or, or the most recent tsunami, most recent tidal wave of unaccompanied minors that are entering the country uh, illegally. And what they're doing is. Uh, coming from a lot of these Central American countries, some from South American countries, they're coming from Central American countries, and there are uh, quite a few of these, uh, they call them OTMs, which are other than Mexicans, and they're showing up at our borders, and immediately uh, a lot of them are immediately turning themselves in because of the recent ruling. And there's been two of these, okay? There's been two rulings. Uh, it wasn't just Obama's uh, 2012 uh, executive order, although I think that is probably what accelerated this. Uh, there was a uh, uh, a law that was pushed through back in 2008 as George Bush was uh, leaving office. And it was a bipartisan action. Uh, working with both houses, I mean, with uh, with both sides of the house, and uh, and also with a lot of uh, uh, the evangelical groups, and what they were trying to do, they were trying to combat sex trafficking, and uh, and trying to, if somebody was brought into the country illegally, and and being forced into prostitution, this was a way that we could get them out of that. Uh, because if you just deport them, they just they send them back to their country, then the slavers just grab them back up and do it again, and they're basically sentenced to, to a horrible life of forced prostitution. So, 2008, uh, and George Bush did this uh, right as he was leaving office. I believe it was one of the last. Uh, I think it was the the final. Uh, piece of legislation uh, that was signed in law by President Bush. Uh, and this was, uh, uh, let's see, it was called the William Wilberforce Trafficking Victims Protection Reauthorization Act. And uh, William Wilberforce was a, uh, a 19th century British abolitionist. And this is a, a program that's that's been in effect kind of around the world, and that is if somebody shows up in another country and they're being forced uh, into some type of a slave trading thing, and that country has been has been doing what it can to give those people asylum and get them out of the grips of the uh, the sex traffickers' hands uh, for the for the minor children, and then again. Uh, in 
2012, uh, Obama signed into to order with an executive order uh, uh, another uh, act which uh, which caused the uh, I believe caused the current uh, the current overflow, and this is also being helped right now by the Mexican government, who is who just uh, in this last week just signed uh, agreements with several of these South American, I mean uh, Central American nations, <clears throat> where they would fast track the uh, the people that are leaving that country and headed for America, they would fast track them, give them this special uh, three-day visa to get them across Mexico from wherever they're coming, but let them uh, legally go through Mexico to get to the United States. Now, nobody... Uh, Nobody wants uh, to wish harm on any of these folks that are that are trying to, uh, and this is what you always hear, they're trying to find a better life. They're trying to make a better life for themselves and their families. Uh, I don't think that anybody, any uh, human being uh, worthy of that title <clears throat> would want to try and and see that they shouldn't be trying to find a better life. Now, everybody wants that. Problem is, is that we can't. The way that the our immigration uh, program and policies are set up right now, uh, it, it's a it's a, a horrible mess. It is a horrible, terrible mess. Uh, being. Uh, being watched over and administered by the federal government, and and both sides are at fault. It's not just a fault on one side or the other. Everybody's had their chance in the last 35, 40 years to fix it, and nobody has. Nobody has. Because they feel it's difficult, and it is going to be difficult, and it's going to be one of the things that is eventually going to decide uh, whether we survive much longer or not. There's no way that this nation uh, can continue to take thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of folks uh, every single day, every single week uh, of illegal immigration. There's no way we can do it. Even if we wanted to, there's no way we can do it. Uh, it's going to, uh, it's already overwhelming our uh, our border facilities, the immigration facilities, the medical, the economic, the financial. It's already overwhelming them. Not to mention one of the most dangerous aspects of this, and that is the fact that all of the all of the border patrol 
and Immigration and Nationalization Service agents, when they are all tied down, uh, changing diapers and babysitting and trying to feed and care for the tens of thousands. And the number is uh, is probably already up above 70,000 now of kids. Uh, while they are all uh, engaged otherwise, our borders are open. They are completely open. And it's not just the uh, it's not just the drug runners that can be taking advantage of this right now. Uh, and you know the, the drug going in the country one way or the other. And I don't want to divert uh, I don't want to divert the discussion on this to any kind of a discussion about the uh, the right or wrong of <clears throat> our current drug policies. I will just say this that I, I think that it's I think that it's stupid for us to uh, for us to uh, to let somebody uh, drink theirself uh, into oblivion, <clears throat> but then tell that uh, same person. Uh, that they can't uh, they can't smoke uh, marijuana. I just think it's uh, I think it's ridiculous. I don't think it's the government's business, one way or the other, uh, to tell us what we can or can't do uh, in that fashion. Now, if they if they feel they have to get some money out of it, then by all means do so. Uh, you know they they tax whiskey, they tax cigarettes, uh, but I think that the uh, that the problems that uh, are being caused by the uh, by the the folks uh, the violence being caused by the folks uh, bringing in the the illegal drugs uh, is as bad or worse than anything that they say that they're trying to prevent. So that's my that's my story. All right. But even if that is uh, even if we're not worried about that uh, about the drugs. Because like I said, they're going to get in the country anyway. What I'm worried about is the things other than the drugs that are getting into the country. Uh, the the folks, because recently there has been a huge uh, influx of what they call the OTMs, which is other than Mexicans. And uh, that is people from uh, the Middle East coming in. Lots of known, lots of folks that are uh, that are known to have ties to the Taliban. Uh, and the Taliban influence is growing in Mexico. Uh, our borders are wide open to whoever they want to bring in, and whatever they want to bring in. 
this is a tremendous problem. So with everybody's attention directed elsewhere, that leaves our borders open. And this is not a problem uh, that appears to be to have any immediate fix. That means if we want it fixed in a year from now, we're going to have to start. We're going to have to start working on it right now, today, if we hope to get it fixed uh, uh, in the next year. And I, I, I don't know if there is any good fix for it. But we have to take some rotten fixes uh, until we can get something better. But right now, uh, the problem is it's destroying us. They're overwhelming the medical, uh, the abilities of the folks to handle it medically. It is, uh, it is overwhelming the cities financially. Uh, I don't know what your city's like. But to find a city that can uh, that can find it in its budget to all of a sudden take care of uh, 1,000 or 2,000 children, uh, uh, man, I don't know. That is a lot of money, and and the number of kids just keeps rising. And that's on top. It's not like the rest of the folks who were uh, who were coming across illegally have stopped. They haven't. We're just adding on top of this, we're adding a huge influx of kids. And because they're kids, we and, and some of them are young, them in a in a holding cell and tell them to uh you know, to take care of themselves until that they're an adult and let them take care of themselves until we can get around to them. You've gotta you've gotta take care of them like uh you know, like they're like they're babies. So uh so this is a huge problem. Uh, on top of this is the fact that this influx of from the impoverished nations they are uh, they're bringing with them uh, diseases uh, that. That we haven't seen in a long time, and uh, and the the folks uh, that are handling this, uh, and I'm not really sure what I'm not really sure what is going on with it right now, because because nobody is. Uh, they've got the kids in these uh, these detention facilities uh, that are run by uh, uh, run by uh, like private companies, and they are being uh, they're being muzzled the information. They're being told to shut their mouth and not let anybody say anything, or they're going to be arrested. Uh, and yet there's still information getting out. Part of that information is is that a lot thing is that one side says uh, there's very little or, or, or no problem with disease. The other side said, hey, this is crazy. They're lying. We were there. 
and there are tons of kids that have scabies, uh, even thousands that are infested with lice and uh, and that's bad enough. That's not that bad because, you know, uh, scabies and lice can be treated. Uh, the problem comes with diseases like TB and measles and chicken pox, uh, diseases that, that are not common in this country anymore because we managed to, uh, to get rid of most of them. The, a lot of the nurses and some of the other people who are working at these facilities say that, uh, that a lot of these kids and a, and a lot of the adults too have uh, have these diseases, and now, like I said, it's 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 hard to it's hard to know the truth because n- nobody will nobody will talk about it. They've got a, a complete information block out on it. Matter of fact, the information is so blocked out that uh, uh, that one of the uh, Oklahoma senators, uh, was it a senator or congressman, tried to visit one of the facilities and they denied him access. Uh, and he wanted to know why that is, why he can't go in there and and see what's going on or talk to them. Uh, this is this isn't any good, all right. So, and right now, that thing that's uh, What's making it even worse is both sides, uh, like I said, are not – nobody's working to uh, to try and, and fix this, all right? You have the Republicans who are so afraid and probably with good cause that, uh, that they know that any kind of, <clears throat> of immigration policy would be a, a death Knoll for them, and then you've got the other side, uh, the uh, the left wing or the Democratic Party, that looks at this as their potential voter base. And I'm not saying this because uh, because I, I I hate the Democrats or anything. I'm just saying it because that's what they're saying, uh, because that's the, the what they that's how they look at them, and that's how they've been using them. And I say this because they've got their folks down there talking to the the folks about becoming uh, registered Democratic voters. Uh, So you've got the two sides on this, and neither one wants to do anything about it. And on top of that, you have the president. You have President Obama, and I, I think this is just very low class of him. And I'm not saying this because I'm a racist. Okay, uh, I think that you can criticize a president uh, over his over what he's doing, or you should be able to criticize a president over what he's doing without everybody jumping on you, uh, right? Uh, because he's also half white, right? So uh, I'm directing this to his half white side. I think he's doing this very low class uh, as far as blaming every bit of the problems that are out there. On the Republicans. Every time you've seen him on the news lately, 
what he's been saying is the Republicans are standing in the way. The Republican problem. It's that the Republicans are doing it. I've told them uh, how to fix it, and they won't listen to me. And because they're not doing what I'm saying, uh, it's a Republican problem. So basically what he's saying is that uh, if you are not, if you don't agree with how I want to do something, then you're a roadblock. You're standing in the way. Well, that's that's fine for him to say, but that's not that's not the truth of it. Uh, right now, Obama wants almost four billion dollars uh, delivered to him by uh, by Congress with no strings attached uh, for him to use however he sees fit in. Uh, in spending this money on the current immigration problem. And so he's saying that uh, that it's all the Republicans' fault, and it's not. Like I said, each side has uh, plenty of blame uh, for this fiasco. I don't think it's a racist thing either. Look, I'm all for folks of any race, any culture, uh, coming to America and uh, and becoming a, getting a job, becoming a citizen, I'm all for it. I'm not for somebody doing it uh, illegally. I'm not for somebody uh, just forcing forcing their way across the border, tearing down the fence, uh, getting in, doing whatever they want to do, however they want to do it, and then demanding. Uh, that we treat them uh, as legal citizens because they're not. I I think it's making a a mockery of our immigration program. That's how I see it. So what is the answer? The answer is going to have to be found in some form of, of guest worker program and uh, some way for the folks to come here, legally work, uh, and pay taxes and everything else, and then uh, then they can return home. They can come work here part of the year, and then they can return home. Uh, the problem with that is, is that the federal government has made it so complicated to do this that uh, that folks can't do it. Uh, They've made it so hard to do that that folks can't do it. They can't afford to do it. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of the aspects of it. You guys have computers. You can uh, Google it and you can research it. Uh, one of the things that they uh, the uh, the things that they were doing was they were making employers who employed them, the people with the green card, pay for their transportation to and from Mexico. Uh, Maybe you could afford to hire somebody to uh, come and pick your beats or whatever, but you can't afford to pay uh, to 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 get them all in from Mexico. Maybe they can find their travel on their own. Uh, that's just one of the things. Uh, there was uh, plenty of stuff I was reading over the last week of how the <laughs> the federal government, of course, once again, had made it so overly complicated that people weren't able to do it. And not just the not just the uh, illegal immigrants, people that wanted to 
uh, you know, do it correctly with the, you know, get a visa. But the people that were, uh, they were going to hire them and made it too complicated for them to be able to hire them. So uh, there's going to have to be some other way. And, and I can't believe that the federal government is saying, look, we can't uh, we can't afford to fly them back to their own countries, but yet they can can charter hundreds of aircraft uh, to fly them from Texas to California or from from Texas to uh, uh, I believe they were flying some to Maine just recently. Uh, so uh, you can't tell me that they can't fly them home. I mean, they could. The most important thing to do would be to tell them that whatever they think this program is is over, that that they can't come and get a uh, surrender themselves to border patrol and then get a hearing. Because what happens then is they get a hearing, but it's so backed up that if you turn yourself in today uh, down at the border, the only thing they'll do is they'll give you a number and they'll release you. Uh, on your own recognizance and tell you that you have to report back in in four years. And uh, you tell me how many people are going to report back in in four years. They're just not going to. And and it's just not going to work. The way that it's set up right now is not going to work. Uh, the only thing I can think of is if you if you started hitting the employers, uh, if you started finding the hell out of the employers so that uh, anybody caught with uh, uh, undocumented uh, workers, illegal aliens, uh, was going to receive a huge fine, uh, a fine that was large enough that made it to where they uh, they couldn't afford just to pay the fine and do it anyway. And, you know, all of those years that President Bush kept saying over and over, they're doing the jobs that uh, Americans won't do, that used to make me so damn mad I couldn't stand it. What job is he talking about? I'd like to know because I've done all the jobs. I've washed dishes. I've dug ditches. Uh, I've fixed fence. I've mowed yards. I've done all those jobs. Uh, most American uh, kids and young adults from the uh, 50s and 60s growing up have done that. Now, maybe they haven't uh, recently. Maybe the kids haven't recently. But I've done all those jobs growing up. Uh, I've worked in a uh, uh, restaurant washing dishes, busting tables. Uh, I dug ditches. I'm, I mowed yards uh, while I was in college. Uh, you name it. I've done it. There's nothing that I wouldn't do. What jobs is he talking about that Americans won't do? I think that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I'm not a racist. I'm not trying to crush uh, the dreams of, of somebody trying to make it. But that is not what our country... Uh, is supposed to be doing right now. Uh, and certainly, 
I don't want to get to a position where we just enrolled our our daughter in college last year. Told my wife, I said, you know, I, we'd be getting a much better deal if we had her tell them that she was an illegal alien. We'd be getting a much better deal. Uh, and I'm not saying this to be cruel. I'm just saying that we can't keep doing this. Our country can't keep doing this. We can't afford victims are being overwhelmed. Uh, uh, our school systems are being overwhelmed. It's getting harder and harder uh, for things to work the way they are. It's just we can't keep accepting the, the folks at this rate. And why should we be forced to do so? <clears throat> why aren't these people forcing reform on their country instead of coming to our country and trying to reinforce reform on us in our nation. Why are we being forced to reform as a nation? Why don't they make these reformations occur in their own country? The the folks and, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to say another thing too is because I've, I've been doing the research for this is that the the current administration can't say that this that this current wave of kids is a surprise. And that's why I'm, here's why I'm saying this is because I was reading some documents the other day, and these documents were were almost seven months old, and it was a federal job position. Uh, for uh, they were hiring escorts for minors, and they said, and this was six months ago, they said that they would need as many as sixty to seventy thousand uh, enough escorts to handle sixty to seventy thousand uh, kids. So that means they've got, they're going to have to pay people, uh, and we're talking in the the tens of thousands. They're going to have to pay tens of thousands of people to nanny and babysit these kids. And those are just the people that are going to be uh, escorting them around. There's also going to have to be foster care. And, oh, yeah, one last thing. Uh, These kids, and you can't see me, but I'm making the quotation mark sign. These kids uh, to 18 years of age. Well, here's the problem with that is that Many of these kids have been in criminal gangs since they were 9, 10, 11 years old. So they're not, when, when you see this image of, in your head of, uh, of these poor little kids uh, arriving at the border and, uh, and they're just poor, sweet, innocent kids. Now, some of them are. Some of them are. Good many. A huge number of them are not. A huge number of them uh, are covered in tattoos. MS-13, they have admitted, I was reading several articles, where they've admitted to the the people that were processing them that they had been in uh, gangs for seven, eight, nine years, 
and they had murdered, tortured, raped, robbed. These are going to be a good portion of the kids coming into America. Portion of them. Uh, by the time this is over, if it's even stopped recently, if you only have, uh, say if you only have had 10% of them, and from what I understand, the, the percentage is much higher, <clears throat> that means that there will be getting 15 to 20,000 hardened professional criminals coming in uh, under this uh, executive act by President Obama. I don't know that we need another 15 to 20,000 hardened criminals uh, in the country right now. I see that uh, the old guy said the escorts are being paid $5,000 a week. That must include them for food or anything else for, for them, for the, for the kids. If it's not, I'm going to go get a job being an escort right now. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I see what you're saying. That, and somebody else just in the chat room is saying the Mormon and Catholic churches are, are working on this. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, they should be they should be working with it. I mean, the the only grief I have with it is I'd rather see them the, the churches doing it out of their own pocket than having the government to pay them to do it. Uh, because uh, that's how the the 2008 bill with George Bush got pushed through, and that was with a uh, uh, that was with a good deal of work by the Christian evangelical churches uh, that pushed through the 2008 Act. And uh, and I'm certainly not uh, uh, I'm just not happy about this because uh, the number of folks paying taxes is shrinking, and the number of folks taking uh, benefits from the government is rising, and and this just is not a uh, it's not a working solution. All right, uh, we're coming to the end of the show, and uh, and uh, we're going to cut it off here. And we'll see you guys uh, p.m. And I, I believe that we're going to have uh, uh, Spark 31 from the uh, communications uh, project that we're running here. I believe we're going to have him back on. Because uh, when he was on a couple of weeks ago, uh, basically he, he only got through, uh, I would say, like a skeleton outline, even though we took the full two hours. It's only like a skeleton outline of uh, really talking about communications. I think we're going to delve into it a little bit deeper uh, at this next week and uh, and see about uh, about picking one or two specific topics and uh, and see about trying to get uh, delve a little bit deeper uh, into those and and uh, hash out a little bit more of the uh, the information uh, about those. All right, guys. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening 
tonight. And uh, if you are looking for some uh, for training opportunities, and you're here in Texas, be sure and uh, go visit the website, uh, BibleRoadUSA.com. Get signed up for the course, and uh, we'll see you here at the range. Train for survive. That's the way we're going to do it. All right. I want to thank uh, uh, Sam D, uh, my co-host here, for uh, for being on the show every time I'm on it. You guys just don't hear him. He doesn't talk that much. Uh, but uh, he's on the show every time I'm here. He's here working the boards and uh, feeding information and stuff like that. <laughs> Sam, thanks. Uh, God bless and keep you all. And uh, we'll see you this next uh, Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. All right? Until then, uh, take care of yourselves. Love uh, Well,